This is the Sports Business Podcast. Today we have Jessica Kupfer, Director of Communications at Home Hardware. Welcome to the Sports Business Podcast. This is your host, Tanvir. On this show, I chat with former and professional athlete turned business executives on leveraging the principles from sports to win in business. In this episode, I chat with Jessica Kupfer, Director of Communications at Home Hardware, and who was a New Balance athlete and brand ambassador. She was named top 40 under 40 in PR and was the 2018 PR Professional of the Year, a former student athlete in cross country from the University of Waterloo. Remember to follow Jessica on Instagram and you can check out her website at Laces and Lattes. On this show, we dive into how Jessica got started in running a lot later than most athletes, how the chaos theory is responsible for her current career, how staying fit has actually helped her perform well in the corporate life despite being super busy, and how she manages her team with the exact same principles that she learned in adventure racing. Remember everyone, if this episode resonates, remember to like, subscribe, and share with a friend and leave a review. All right team, let's jump in with the one and only Jessica Kupfer. Welcome everyone to the Sports Business Podcast. Today we have Jessica Quipfor. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast, Jessica. I'm so excited too. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. Jessica, you were a student athlete. Um, you were a cross-country athlete. You were a New Balance athlete. You were also a brand ambassador for them. You were then named top 40, under 40 in PR in 2018. And now you are director of communications for Home Harbor, a prominent retailer in Canada. What a career. I can't wait to jump into all these great accomplishments in this podcast. Thank you. I'm looking forward to chatting with you about them. Awesome. So what are you, I know we were chatting just before the podcast, you've been super busy. What's keeping you busy today for the listeners and the viewers? <laughs> I laugh because I mean, we're in a global pandemic and I do communications. I think that if anyone <laughs> is a uh, I mean, I know, I know every area, many people across all, um, you know, different organizations and roles are super busy, but honestly, the communications uh, peers out there, it's, I was, I was just telling you before we started uh, recording that I was speaking to a, actually a, a, a direct competitor uh, this week and just swapping stories and hearing that everyone is dealing with um, sort of uh, the word would be bonkers with the amount of, um, busyness that we have. So really it's supporting, you know, everything that you're doing in business in terms of communications. So all your plans for the year, you still need to execute, but then it's, it's almost as if you're operating in this crisis mode, but something that, you know, something that would hit the media before that sort of all systems go, you create a war room and, um, and, and a hundred percent focus on that. That sort of has been a PR or communications professionals. Like that's their, that's their new normal. And then, you know, there's blips, yeah, there's blips that push it up and down. Um, so it, it really has created a brand new normal, specifically, I would say for communications, you have pushed past limits that you didn't even realize you had. I would say professionally, that's been, you. this is what we thought busy was before, and this is the busy of, of COVID. So, you know, it was it's um, funny when people would, before 2020 March, right, people would say, hey, uh, I can work from home. I can get more stuff done. Now, when you look back, you're like, no, it's actually busier working from home because you're always online. Yes. Yes. Right. And, and it's learning how to balance all of that. Um, and it, I, I, it goes back to where it's really important that you love the career that you choose, because if you're going to spend so much time doing it, um, you, you better enjoy how you're spending your time. 
But I, I would say overall, it's a really mixed bag of what's keeping me busy. I've been um, building a new team, which has been super exciting. Um, we've needed to be very creative and innovative in how we communicate through the pandemic. We can't do as many face-to-face -face live events. So how are we taking what we did in person or posters around a physical building and how are we bringing it to life in a digital environment? So we're almost taking our plans, swapping them and creating brand new plans of how do you how do you overcome that issue of, you know, I would say the pandemic has made people feel more isolated. Um, there was recently a wellness survey published in our um, our region where health and wellness scores for uh, 2019 in January, 50% or 50% um, or more of people scored excellence. Um, the 2021 version of that was 15%. So how do you how do you communicate and build that sense of community and support? Um, and and that's something that I take a great you know we build trust and we build connection with communication. So that's what's been keeping me busy in a nutshell. Wow, I mean you are an athlete, right? And you know me being an athlete, I think we both agree that whenever you go and do something, you do it 100%. But at the yes. same time, the fuel that is there for you is the people around you, is the teams, the mm -hmm. socialization, right? So how do you see this pandemic changing that? Because I know before, about six months ago, maybe eight months ago, people said the new normal would be work from home, but clearly it's not working. So, mm -hmm. so what are your thoughts on what's going to happen in the future from a, let's say, even a communication standpoint or how we all work together so that the 15% goes back to 50 and even higher? That's an excellent question. Um, you're asking me to sort of look into a crystal ball. I, you're right. What what is what exists doesn't work right now. That I don't think that that necessarily means that working from home doesn't work. I think that we need to continue to innovate and find ways to connect. True. A perfect example of that is I've just onboarded um, a new you know department to my team. There's people that I've never met. They've never physically been in home hardware. So how do you create that sense of community? Mm -hmm. And I think, I think it's, you know, instead of changing what is, how do you change how you act within that environment? Um, so when I look at that, it's how can I be creative with this new team? Um, so for an example is, you know, we are doing, you know, what are your values? What is your, um, what's the strategy? What is the core values of my communications yep. team that we all share? Um, but then also how are we going to have fun together? And so there's so many great opportunities like, mm -hmm. um, you know, virtual escape rooms that you can do. So one of the things that I've done yeah. is booked a virtual escape room. And then after we'll have, you know, a conversation it, I think that you can make work from home work. You just yeah. have to be so intentional. And if you don't bring yeah. that intentionality to it, then people are adrift and it's, it, it's so much, you are right. It is a lot of extra work to reach out. I think it's possible, but you, we need to change the way that we're doing things because people are not, people are not good. We just had, you know, Bell Labs talk day. It was just, you know, mm -hmm. we're, we're looking at all of these things and, and it's, it's just being mindful and seeing how we can adapt um, because, you know, perfect example is when you, when I look at my communications taking a virtual or a, a live event and moving it to a virtual world, you can't just take this and plug it over here. You need to completely reimagine. We got to redo the foundation of the entire thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
And that's sort of where I think that we need, that's what we need to do with work from home. Absolutely. It's not just take it and pl plug and play. It's, yeah. we need to completely reimagine it. And I think that we were trying to do it in the middle of a pandemic. I think we need to give ourselves a little bit of grace and, and time, but I think we have so many great smart people out there that can solve this problem. Um, and I think that, I think, I think work from home will continue to be a way of a future, whether it's that or a hybrid. What I'm certain of is that it will never go back to what it used to be. Absolutely. There, you know, remind me of, so I did a keynote and there's this concept to talk about where I say, it's not that we as teams or leaders are wrong or we're not, we're not sure how to operate. I think the analogy I use is that you're bringing a hockey stick to a tennis match. It's not yes. that, it's not that hockey's bad. It's just that the game has changed. Yes. So we have, perfect to, analogy. Right? we have to change the way we operate, we change the way we approach work from home versus mm -hmm. how it was before COVID. Exactly. No, that's so well said. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you agree. <laughs> um, so now that we know, Jessica, what keeping you so busy, let's walk, let's kind of go back into your life and, and really look at, you know, how did the, how did your career start from, from athletics? So how did you start cross country? How do you start running? And just walk us through the journey of how you came into your career today as a PR special communication specialist. Okay. So um, I know one of the th first things that you were asking about was, was childhood. What's really um, interesting is I was not athletic at all as a child. I know that actually the more athletes I meet these days, the more I hear that they, they yeah, um, I, I am one of them, but I do find that when I was a child, I actually was uh, raised conservative Mennonite. So I like what I wasn't even like, so competitive team sports wasn't even a part of my reality. Um, and competition wasn't necessarily encouraged. It's very ironic, you know, cut X number of years and I'm an adult because I am super competitive. I love, like I fire my belly. Like I, I love pushing my limits. And, and so I definitely came to that realization of myself later in life. Um, but it actually was because I didn't have team sports. So I didn't grow up with the soccer league um, or, or, or any, you know, high school sport, team sports. But what I knew I could do was I could run. So in high school, I actually was, I tried skateboarding because I, I was, you know, the two thousands and that was what are, was around me. But then after school, I, I said, you know, I could run, I don't need a team sport to do that. So there's actually some really funny first race photos of me, like in skateboarding shoes at a start line. No. <laughs> <laughs> I ran my first 5k and I just, you know how some people, I, I hear from a lot of people that they really despise running. Um, I loved running from the moment that I started. It just, it, it was, it hit all of the boxes that was really important to me. It challenged me. Like I love a challenge. Um, I love being outside. That's why I do sports. Um, and even today it helps me balance my career because, you know, I, I go out for a long workout in the morning uh, when it's beautiful outside. Um, and, you know, if I do double day workouts, it's making sure that I'm, I'm getting that dose of sunshine and, and everything twice a day. Um, so it's that all of those things combine. And then for me, eventually it filled that role of, you know, building that community that I didn't have um, with team sports. And I, I can tell you that my um, sport community has become one of the most meaningful communities across all the different sports that I compete in. 
Um, so it, it just, it built so many different things for me. So I didn't get very serious about it truthfully until later in university. And I, I, it's funny because I, I ran cross country for the final year of, um, high school and I was actually offered a running scholarship. And at that point I said like, no, I'm not like that didn't interest me at all. I, if I could go back, I don't often have regrets in life, but I'm like, I, I probably should have done that. <laughs> Um, but I went to the university of Waterloo and I ran, um, on their varsity team and, you know, just fell in love with the whole idea of team and working together. Um, so then following university, and I think that a lot of student athletes look around and say, well, now what? Um, and I was, I was very fortunate to have a group of, you know, endurance athletes around me. So I just started saying yes to everything. I started doing adventure racing. And I know you want to talk about team today. That is, I learned everything about leading my team um, from adventure racing, um, you know, triathlon, uh, bike racing, like doing a start line of a crit. I still, to this day, am not more scared than when I line up being like, there's like a 50% chance I might crash today. Um, but just, you know, facing fears and building the confidence and what your, your whole platform here is about the relatability of sports to business. I am a better athlete because of what I do for my job, but I also am so good at my job because I am an athlete. And you know, that, that winning awesome. mindset was, was something that I cultivated by just trying sports because I can tell you with certainty that I was not a very confident person when I was in university. Um, but sport has actually developed mm -hmm. that in me because you get to play out in, you know, in your one minute, one hour workout in the morning, all a mini version of all the trials that you're going to have during the day. Um, and we recently, um, my boyfriend and I recently launched a endurance club. So we do training sessions some mornings. And one of our athletes said, you know, if I can do these VO2 max intervals in the morning, I feel like anything I do for the rest of the day is nothing. And starting oh. a day like that is like, it, it, it sets you up for success. You're preaching to the choir. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is why we have folks like you on the podcast, Jessica. This is awesome. I mean, there's so much power in just getting in a great workout in the morning, just for health reasons. But also, like you said, it actually changes your life at work. It makes you feel more productive. It makes you manage your team better. I mean, Looking, looking back and, you know, what was the success behind some of the teams I managed? I, I wasn't a great leader. It was just because I'm like, hey, what would my coach do in this moment yeah. that I can do for my team? It's simple as that. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, so for you, you're, you're in university and you're racing and then you, you, you left, leave university, you start saying yes to everything. How did that experience get you into the, the communication, the PR side of things? So this is the interesting part. It didn't, it, it did and it didn't. Um, I applied, you know, it's more the same principles that I applied. So when I, so the similar path when we're talking about career, when I uh, left university was I had the same feeling of, well, now what? And I, I truthfully, like I was an English literature major with a French minor. I was fully intending on being a teacher. And the, I, I missed like the fundamental piece if you decide to do something is like, actually make sure that you like, don't just talk about it, like get in a classroom and see what it's all about. So I did that. And I realized I hated it. I was like, this is not going to work. 
And then, so now I'm, I've ended university. I have my, you know, education and I'm, and, and for, you know, an early 20 something that literally feels like the end of the world with a little bit of time behind me. It's like, okay, like you've, you've got time to figure this out, but I'm like, oh my gosh, I've ruined my life now. I don't know what I'm doing. And, and, and this is a story that many student athletes every year feel. So mm-hmm. I think your story is going to really resonate with a lot of them. So please continue. Well, the best thing that I did, the best piece of advice is I went to a career advisor through the university. Um, Waterloo was awesome that they set us up with that, that free service. So I, and again, being a yes person and wanting to, the way I've been successful is just pulling every lever that is available to me. So I was like, this is available. Like one of the things both in sports and also in life is what is, what is just the next thing that I can do? Like, I don't need, like, it it was so big that I had no idea what I was going to do. The next best thing that I could do is just go talk to a career advisor. What she said to me was we, we talked everything through and I was, I was feeling anxious. And she's like, have you ever heard of the chaos theory? And I said, no, she's like, this is most people's career. The chaos theory means that you're going to be traveling this way and you feel like it's the right direction. And you're going to be blindsided of nowhere with an opportunity here. And it's up to you whether you take it, but most people's careers are built on the chaos theory where you can map it out, but chances are that the opportunities are just what the ones that you say yes to, and that dictates your direction. That was exactly what happened to me. Cause at the time I was working for a, um, a journal um, out of like a part of the media out of the university and they offered me a job in, as their advertising manager. So I stayed on um, at the time I was also, you know, then I was like, I'm going to network. I'm going to, you know, I was a personal trainer for a while. I was just trying on every hat that I could um, getting to know, asking questions, taking people out for coffee that I really admired as mentors and just asking them a ton of questions. Um, and then I stumbled across the person who is my boss today. Um, so he, he at the time was a manager at home hardware. And so he, he had invited me in for coffee to just talk about public relations. And I left that meeting being like, I will work for this person. It wasn't even the role I said, I like, this is a, the type of leader that I want to work for. So I, uh, quite frankly, I took the same intensity that I take to a training plan. I put a schedule in my calendar and I followed up with this poor man, like every three months was just like, here's all the skills that I've been working on. Like, I'm very interested in a role, like, and, and I just worked until I got a, it was a marketing floater role at home hardware. But I do remember, um, it was a, it was a risk because it was a three month contract and I joined and, but I remember coming into work and I dressed up and I, I was working on, you know, admin level things, but uh, my mindset is I will do the best job that they've ever seen on this thing within a month and a half, an opportunity opened up on this man's team. And I joined as a public relations coordinator. Um, I took, you know, courses to support that. And, you know, he still is my boss but now he's a VP and I'm a director, right? Like, it's like, it is, you know, being, so there is planning, there is preparing, but it also is, you know, being really mindful of what is right for you um, and listening to like what, what feels right. Because I can tell you building that a working relationship and trust. Um, and then that's the same sort of relationship and trust that I build with my team. And I really believe that's why I'm successful. 
You, you said yes to opportunities that were around you and available to you. I think a lot of people, you know, and, and I, I mentor some people and there's a lot of, you know, younger student athletes or even folks in corporations that have so much available to them, but they just don't ask. Yes. Right. It's just like, just, just, as you said, the next thing that's available to you yes. and eventually you will lead somewhere where you will say, aha, this is a great opportunity for me whether or not you should take it or not, that's up to you at that point. But it's about making positive, just like you would use in a running analogy, just keep moving forward. Yes, exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it, to your point, it actually is shocking to me how many, because I try to, you want to give back. I've had so many incredible mentors who have like spoken into my life and given me so many tools and resources. Um, so I want to give back. When you support with those mentoring programs or interaction, it is shocking the amount of people who don't follow up or reach out where you're saying, I'm literally here. I'm literally here to give you anything, all the supports, all the wisdom. Like I've lived all the mistakes. Just ask. Ask. Um, yeah. But that's where there will always be that handful of people that just raise their hand and say, yeah, I want, I want to meet for coffee. I want to talk. And, and those are the ones that you just invest as much time and energy in because they're, they're hungry for it and they will implement it. And that's the hunger that gets people to exponentially go up the career ladder, whereas yes. some don't. And then you, then they ask like, why this person advancing? It's not because they have a better degree. It's just because they're hungrier than you are. Exactly. Principles. It, well, yeah. Like grit wins every time. It's how persistent are you? Um, and I mean, obviously, well, no, there's a whole, there's a whole group of things mm-hmm. that you need, but to your point, it's, it's what are those principles that you're putting and, and, and are you genuine about it? Is, is it just about a title or is it a job that just like lights you up? Because I can tell you, I wouldn't be successful in communications if communications wouldn't be something that I am so passionate about. Right. Um, and, and likewise with sport, I wouldn't make it a, a, such a huge part of my life and my, my relationships and my daily schedule if it wasn't something that, you know, was, it's just who I am, right? It, it becomes just what you do. It's not even a choice anymore. Yeah. You, you said something about how you manage your team. Can you mm-hmm. dive a little deeper into that, Jessica? Like, what is it that you use from sports to manage your team today? And how are you overcoming the chaos in business with those same principles? So I'm going to go back to adventure racing with this one. So that was really eye-opening to me because I tended to be, you know, when all the personality testing you do, I'm like very competitive and I did endurance sports. So that tends to be like a narrow focus, very me, me, me. And you can't be a leader if you're going, well, you can be a leader. You're just not going to be a great leader if it's all about you. Um, And so when I started adventure racing, that was, that unlocked something in me to really, really understand so adventure racing for um, anyone who has not heard about it, it's, you know, it's a handful of different sports. So you're orienteering. The really cool thing about it is you don't actually know where you're going. You have an idea, but along the way, you're given a map um, at the very start of the race. And there's checkpoints along the race that you need to find. And you need to, you need to punch this passport to prove that you were there. And each one of these checkpoints lead to the finish line. Um, and along the way, you, you, and this is, you know, a short version of this race is six hours. The world championships is six days. So it is like, and you manage your sleep strategy. There, there's a, 
a formal team is a team of four. So there's often three males and uh, one female, um, but there could be a mixture. They're just rules have to, to be an official team. You need to have one female. And the sports are, you know, you're orienteer using the map. You are mountain biking, you are rock climbing, you are running and you're kayaking or canoeing. So you mix all these sports together. You mix all these different like strategies because there's so many different ways that you can you can reach these checkpoints. But then you have four team members and they all have different levels, different emotions, different um, you know, ways they deal with the sleep deprivation. Um, because sometimes you go three days without sleeping. And how are you handling that when and each person on your team has a different role? So the perfect example is the person who is, you know, the 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 captain is often the person who's, you know orienteering and you'll have a person who's supporting but you need to have trust but if that person gets you lost and you are tired and you are hungry and you are grumpy like how are you going to react um and I'll never forget it was the national championships I think in 2018 and I was coming down with like a flu and I it was it was a 24-hour race so normally I do okay with those um but it was the morning it was the morning of the race um, after we had been racing about 18, 19 hours. And I looked at our captain and I just said, I'm done. Like I, I, I will not, I I'm so sick. I, I just, I want to drop out. And he said, that's great, but you need to understand that there's a whole team here. And like, that's not an option. And realizing that I thought I was done. There's a whole amount of, you know, past that limit that I was able to go and I was able to finish. So just realizing that, you know, your team can pull you along and, and you need to be that captain when you have people who are saying, I'm done, I can't do this, is realizing, showing people that where they think their limits are, are so much beyond that. Um, it also means that, you know, we were always checking in, in adventure racing. Have you eaten? Have you been drinking water? Like checking in with everyone. Are you taking care of all the different things for your well-being, for your business? Like, are you looking after yourself? Um, so communication. Um, and then the other piece that I've learned is, you know, you're only as strong as your weakest link. And I say that kindly, but that just means that everyone needs to come along for the ride. You can't, it can't just be about you. It can't just be about your top performers. How do you get everyone along for the ride? Um, so using the principles that you learn in sport, those are, those are some of the key things that I think directly apply. Um, and then just having fun, like fun, it needs to be such a big part of it. Um, I have managers that, you know, I have thrown things at them over the last year that I don't even know how they have shouldered it, but they do it with so much, you know, energy and passion. And I need to model that for them every single day. They wouldn't be able to do that if I wouldn't make sure, like, there's no room for negativity when mm -hmm. you're leading teams. Um, and that's in sport, especially as well. in the middle of a pandemic. That's the last thing you want. Yeah. And exactly. So the way that I view it right now is, you know, my team is just maybe on hour 68 of a, you know, six day adventure race. They're really mm. tired. They, they, but you know, and, and they, the, the finish line of this pandemic seems, you know, so far away. What am I focusing on right now to keep them moving? How are we motivating? Um, I know in the race, we'd sing songs, we would, you know, talk, we would, you know, just have really great conversation. What are we doing to support our teams through this? Um, it, it's all relatable. And the cool thing is in sport, you just get to live it out um, before you need to do it when it affects people's 
every day in their careers. I think as a leader, you bring up a great point where you have to know what are individual strengths, what are the individual motivational triggers. And it's your job as a leader to perhaps adapt your style based on the individuals, right? Um, The second thing you bring up, which I think is so important, but in my experience, it's the biggest gap in corporations today. It's celebrating. So a quick example from my story is so for technology projects are always, if you're going to reshuffle something, it takes a long time. You got to pilot something, you have to then implement something. And then by the time you get results, for example, building and launching an app, that's a huge one to your project. So how do you keep a team motivated and actually, you know, every day come to work, put in the hours, especially when things are going wrong. How do you motivate a team? The best way I found was celebrating small wins, small milestones. Just like a football team will celebrate, even if they're down 40 to nothing, they still celebrate an interception because it's positive momentum, right? What are your thoughts on if in in your experience, I I know you celebrate, you just mentioned that, but what can teams do today? What can other teams learn from your experiences, from sports, especially for leaders, so that they can celebrate more and make sure that the team is coming along because there will be an end to the pandemic soon. Right. I think, so you raised such an important point. The one thing that you need, like every leader needs to remember is that people want to feel like they're winning and they're going to perform well when they feel like they're winning. Mm -hmm. So like, I love the whole idea of, and, and, and I try not to impose like my competitive nature because I find that even in my, my phraseology, I'm like, oh, well, we won that. And it's, you know, well, we didn't, but I find that competition can actually be a really positive strength to a team if you can bring it and bring everyone into the winning. So I, for me, it's making sure your team is clear on values. So I have a team that came from different areas of the organization. We're hiring from external. What is that, you know, what, what are the rule books for winning? So if they want to feel like they're celebrating, you know, communications famously doesn't have a ton of data. So how do you create those measurable impacts that they can see every single day? Um, So there's a few things. Number one, it's really important. I loved what you said about how each person on your team is different. So if you're going to join my team, you will have a personality assessment. And I I always joke that, you know, you would never buy a car without a user manual. If you're going to learn, like work with me, you're going to get sort of a user manual. This is who I am. These are my strengths. These are my weaknesses. That doesn't mean that I'm not always working on them, but here's my, I, we use disc profile. It's just quick, easy. And I have it for everyone I work with because you're able to see very quickly, you know, what is winning for this person is winning, you know, having like very clear operating procedures that we keep them safe. And, and, you know, maybe they're, you know, t- maybe they're a defenseman and then, you know, who, who are the people who are out front? Those are your gregarious people who just don't, they like, Standard operating procedures be damned. I just want to get the job. (laughs) Right? Like, so you need to build your team based on personalities. So they feel like they're winning every single day. So that's really important. Um, An example is like when I built my new team, it's looking at them carefully and not predefining roles before you get to know the person. I will always formulate and I will always adjust. Yes, there's a job description, but how can we adjust to that role? So then what you do lights you up every single day. It's a customization, understand. Well, that's coaching, right? Like you're dealing with a human being, not a human resource, right? Like, so 
making people feel special. Um, and then, um, so that's one piece. The second piece is, you know, having that measurable thing. So then saying, here's our strategy, here's where we want to go, but here's your actual role in that. And when we, when we meet this objective, like if you have it, you actually get to wear the praise. Yes, all of us do it, but I will call out individual people. Um, the third is just making sure you're taking time to have fun. Um, in a non-COVID environment, I would, you know, take them out for dinner. Or um, one of the things that I did over the, for a Christmas party, we did it a little bit differently this year. Um, it's, it was maybe a little like, I, I stopped and I made, we have a bigger team, but I made everyone stop and go through and have the leader call out one by one what we loved about each person on the team. And they made people listen, but it was like, they're just like, wow, like I like, so it's, it's not just celebrating wins. I think it's celebrating the people who work for you. And well if, you, Absolutely. if people feel appreciated and like they're personally winning, they will win for you. And um, so, yeah. And that, it doesn't cost much, right? You don't need to be Google where you're giving people free food all day. It's a small things. No, it's, it's yeah. appreciation um, because it, it's not, it's not flattery. It's a very different mm -hmm. thing, but it's genuinely genuine. Being, I see, I see that you're a human being is essentially, if you can do that as a leader, that your team will win for you. Amazing. On that same note, I mean, everybody's failing, right? And, and different people define failure differently, Jessica. Some people define failure as final, which it shouldn't be. I define it as, it's just execution. That's my mm -hmm. way of saying, hey, you failed, you learn, move on. Let's figure something out. What are some of the things that, failure in life have taught you from sports and how do you use the same principles today in even in the past one year during the pandemic which i'm sure mm -hmm. by some definition you failed almost like every week yes in a way. yes um i don't view failure as negative so you know if i so let's you asked about workouts and training first so you know if i fail a workout i I've tried to refocus. Number one, I'm always like, okay, what are all the different factors that feed into it? Um, a couple of weeks ago, I failed a run workout. I wasn't able to hit the paces I wanted on the treadmill, but I, we were working on like a major acquisition with work and I was working obscene hours and my, like my cognitive load was so high. So it's okay. That's why. So first look at why you're failing. I mean, that's important. But number two is I was like, great. I found a limit. Like, and that's, as an athlete, that's what you want. I love trying to find your limits. So when you come up against your limit, okay, how can I go a little bit further next time? What can I learn to be even better? That 1% every single day. Um, so for me, I'm okay if I fail a workout because that just means that I found a limit yeah. that I can work on so that when I'm in a race, I'm like, I'm untouchable because I've conquered my limits in the training. Cause training is just practice. And it's your, it's your rehearsal for your race. So I'm okay for training for failing in training. Well, how I bring that to work and what my team hears often from me, number one is I would say when they come to me with a mistake, um, I always say you're okay. It's okay to make mistakes here because then you learn, you are not going to make, you're not going to learn unless you make mistakes and then change your trajectory. If you win all the time, you're just going to, exactly. It's not realistic. Um, and then the, the other piece that I always say is like, I focus on batting averages 
you know, you nail it 99% of the time. That's what I'm focusing on. But what can we learn here to make sure that we can up your batting average? Um, so I, I say that a lot to them, but really it, it, it does come down to the fact that failure is a positive if you can learn from it. And so creating and cultivating an environment for your team that they can fail and they feel okay to fail because they will fail. It's just whether they tell you about it. So if you are very confident and, and encourage it, they will come to you and you can work through it together. So, yeah, which makes everyone else better as a team. Exactly. Exactly. Amazing. Well, Jessica, what's your last piece of advice to other executives that are in the same role or communication or PR that really are the face of the company? What's your advice to them to get through this pandemic with a bit of power from sports? A little power from sports. Honestly, I, it's, it's not even just my industry. I would just say, don't stop working out. I know that sounds silly, but it's, for me, it's, that is, especially with all the hours that you're working. Uh, sometimes my training is the only thing I do in the day that is not work, but I can tell you it is satisfying. It is, you know, it's that time to breathe. It gets you moving. Um, and it gives me that energy, that focus, um, and that reset to be good at everything that I need to be good at. Um, so, awesome. you know, don't stop working out. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, for even when I look back, sometimes when I had crazy days, I think the only thing I would do is work out and people would always say, Hey, you're so busy. You should rest. I'm like, but this is my rest. If yes. I don't work out, I can't perform at work. So great advice. And I hope everybody listening and watching take this advice to heart and also great things that you shared today, Jessica. So thank you so much for jumping on Jessica, director of communication, the home hardware, top 40 under 40 for PR, just a great story. And thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. It was a pleasure to have this conversation. Thanks for inviting me to be on. Thank you. Best of luck in 2021. All right. Thank you. Team, remember to like, subscribe and share with a friend and visit tangrivengu.com for a ton of free content and exercises.